0: Hi and welcome to the podcast That Fangirl Life, the platform that champions female fans, with me, your host, Laurel. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Natalie Held, a 21-year-old digital storyteller obsessed with all things pink, politics and pop culture. Listen as we discuss how artists are now using their platforms more than ever to speak out on political issues how fandoms are tapping into their communities to raise awareness on social issues across the globe, as well as Natalie explaining how including being a fangirl on her CV helped her progress her career in ways she never thought would be possible, and also how she's had her Your Name moment with one of her favourite bands, The Cab. Hello everybody, it's Laurel back with another episode of That Fangirl Live and this week I am joined by Natalie Held aka Nata T, is that how I would say it on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. Um, We are going to be talking about fandoms and the crossover into like activism and politics that has kind of transpired a lot over the last I would say year and a half, two years. It seems to have really taken off. Um... I don't know um, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit first to everybody.
1: Yeah, sure. Hi everyone, I'm Natalie. Um, I really see myself as a digital storyteller. The first rule that I kind of learned in online safety was to never talk to strangers on the internet, but I always felt that I was the exception to that rule. (laughs) And so since logging online I've really never logged off and I found myself befriending one of my favorite bands meeting up with internet friends halfway across the world and even getting to walk in New York Fashion Week. So I found throughout this kind of fangirl journey that whether it's working in politics and music for a brand or for women empowerment my goal's always kind of been to translate pop culture, complex issues, and just current events into meaningful communication to kind of help others find their purpose and ignite their passions. So, I recently transitioned out of my role as the director of communications for a Boston city counselor. And now I work in influencer marketing at Hermana Agency, and I do some social media management and strategy for Serena Kerrigan's Instagram live reality show, Let's Effing Date. So I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. Kind of the exciting part here, because I hope a lot of you will realize that being a fangirl translates to literally any career, any field, any job you want to do, because these skills are so valuable.
0: Yeah. I feel like I say it in every person that I speak to every week. It's such a weird perception of being a fangirl that people are hesitant to say that they are. Um, But first of all, before we delve really in depth into all of that, I ask everyone the same question at the beginning um, of every episode. And to be fair, everyone kind of gives a similar response. But What does the word fangirl mean to you in essence? Yeah,
1: I love that. I think to me, the word fangirl means being a passionate, creative and dedicated woman who knows how to build community, mobilize around different efforts and network really what we
0: kind of need to also establish is kind of like your fangirl history as such as what well. yeah. myself and Izzy like to call it when we're talking to different people um so who would you say would be the first band or artist or for me it was Zach Efron so it wasn't really oh. a band or an actor um yeah. uh, artist it was Zach Efron so who would you say that was the first the first person or band that you were like I am fully blown a fangirl now I think
1: yeah so I think I grew up listening to a lot of music through my parents so it was always there for me but I think that first like the the threshold that kind of got me into all of it was One Direction but also The Cab so I, I really credit both of them to kind of my reason for coming onto to Twitter in the first place and just finding my love of music my passion for it and just kind of rabbit-holing from there.
0: <laughs> what made them both be um yes, like I'm fully signed up, ready. I want to know more about them, like Mm -hmm. who they are. What was it compared to other people that you were listening to? I honestly, I wish that I could
1: point to like one specific moment, but, and this sounds so cheesy, but I truly think it was the community aspect that I craved Mm -hmm. the most. Like I loved the music. I loved the guys. I loved their personalities, but I think it really came down to This, like, having this larger family and community that I wanted to be involved in. So, whether it was like talking about fandom jokes or album releases or tour moments or whatever it was, um, I think that's really what I craved. And when I was younger, music was definitely like a mental escape for me. Um, I was bullied a lot. I used to be a dancer and it was just like a very toxic environment for me. And so, I found that online communities really became like a safe haven for me to connect with other people outside of the people I was forced to be with in real life. So I was really able to kind of build my own friends and family that way with people like all over the world. And to this day, it's just given me lifelong friendships, incredible job opportunities and experiences. And honestly, in the beginning of next month, I'm going to go stay with a friend I've never met in LA for a week. And we've been friends for like seven, eight years at this point. My mom's met her. They've gone out for drinks and we've still never met, but we've been friends all this time because of One Direction and we have mutual friends. It's crazy. So I feel like that community aspect is really what got me so involved. And I think that says a lot to these guys too, because it's like, who are they? If they have such a loyal and just a
0: built community
1: the way they did. So I feel like
0: that's... Would you say that music, as such, was a big part of your childhood, um, or was it kind of more that you discovered artists like One Direction? Because obviously, where you you are in America, mm-hmm. for me, I was their first audition for each of them on X Factor on a Saturday night, watching for the oh, first time. God. Um, so was that kind of like a social media? on Twitter you discovered it or I know a lot of people have said YouTube they've discovered the tour diaries and it kind of spiraled from that was it kind of that that you found them free
1: yeah honestly I wish I could remember (laughs) like I really don't because I I remember I it must have been through word of mouth it must have just been like everyone in middle school was listening to direction I got wind of it I started like watching video diaries learning about them on YouTube but I remember I never had a Twitter until I turned like 13. Like I was a good girl. I was like I'm going to I'm going to wait until I'm 13 to make a Twitter account. But I would have like my iPod touch and I would have Safari open and I'd have at least five tabs all the time just to refresh their Twitter accounts in Safari and not be logged in just to see like what they were saying to fans, what they were tweeting about. And I feel like that was kind of my first entry into like being a fangirl and just wanting to constantly see like what they were up to, what they were doing, what they were saying. But in terms of like my childhood, I never was into the Jonas Brothers. I was never into Justin Bieber. Um, It was really One Direction that just did it for me. But I grew up listening to like a lot of classics just through my parents. Like I'd listened to Queen, Led Zeppelin. I loved U2 Um, the Stones, the Beatles but it really wasn't until I turned 12 and I discovered One Direction that I was like I need to break away from the music that my parents are listening to and kind of like establish my own like bubblegum
0: pop 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 kind of. Do you think that from being a teenager and being online and what you learned from being part of a fandom then helped you Mm. decide career-wise kind of like what you wanted to do as such?
1: Yeah like Absolutely. like I, I 100% credit me being a fangirl and being online to truly everything that I do now. Um, I've kind of mentioned it before, but I've taken so many like career paths already. But I found I was really able to kind of identify my passions and kind of hone in on those skills that were essential to all of my work, whether it was digital organizing, mobilization, community engagement, and all of that is what really got landed me my job working as a director of communications for an elected official for a year. And I think, Something that I really came to learn and just realize working in politics is there's totally a fangirl to political organizer pipeline, which honestly just kind of sounds like natural progression at this point It almost feels like they're synonymous when you think about what an organizer does and what a fangirl does, and when you kind of bring it together for like a political means it's so similar. Um, I honestly, I talked about this with my boss, Kaylee, on her podcast, Self-Care Sunday. We did a whole Fangirls Are the Future episode, and we kind of talked about this and how there really is such a, like, it's really synonymous between each other. And what's amazing now is I've transitioned away from politics, and I work with Kaylee at her influencer agency, and I do content creation and strategy for Instagram and TikTok. And I was able to utilize my, like, Harry Styles TikTok account to be working with calm on their strategy. So never in a million years, did I think that my understanding of the Harry Styles niche on TikTok was going to benefit me (laughs) career-wise, but here we are. So I got to do some fun like video ideas for it. Um, We've been working with awesome celebrity partners there too, and just coming up with strategy for that. And it's just been so surreal to kind of have that direct translation of like oh cool Harry's doing a sleep story to oh my god I get to be working with this company on TikTok strategy and engaging super fans online that way Um, so that was a really crazy and amazing thing and then over this past year as well I've been doing a lot of super fan engagement Um, I worked on a project with a couple friends where we wanted to meet the political moment and kind of bring and bridge together this gap of fandom and music and politics and activism and so we did a few things and we ended up raising around like six thousand dollars for some progressive organizations and it was just a great way to kind of do what we've always done with built-in community but kind of utilizing our skills um, in digital organizing and fandom to do it so that was really exciting and then my other job at let's effing date Um, I do social strategy there and I got to develop a whole super fan program around the show and around the brand and everything. So that was a really great way to kind of implement my online organizing skills too, and like create a whole project of what this could look like and how to build a fan experience. So all over the place, totally different things everywhere, but I feel like it really, again, shows that your skills can be transferable to literally any field you want. Like who would have thought like being a fangirl, loving One Direction, working in politics like more common than
0: you'd think yeah (laughs) there are a lot of (laughs) (laughs) hailers you would not ever think really like they would go hand in hand Mm -hmm. um we're going to touch a little bit um on that a little bit further down the conversation in regards to obviously um celebrities now being a bit more vocal in regards to politics and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but something that we got asked in the to you and we got asked before when we spoke to Kelsey earlier on in the season in regards to like fans being used as marketing um tools nowadays um do um you mention on your CV that you are part of like a fangirl part of a fandom as such um because I know a lot of younger people have asked like should I be mentioning it on my CV I know for me I even hesitated putting that I I'm doing this podcast and it's now Mm. a website on my LinkedIn because I was like, people that follow me are like working government. And I'm like, do I really want to be like, hello? Like, but then I was like, no, hold on. Like, I'm showing them that I've got transferable skills, like time management, like looking, researching, working on different projects, like for this, as well as alongside my other job. And also, Mm -hmm. it shows that I'm more than just my job Mm -hmm. as such. but how, do you mention it on your CV as such? Obviously, I would assume so now with regards to how yeah. your
1: talk has come about. So I think that's a really good point. I think, again, like this goes back to this kind of like inherent sexism and misogyny and this questioning of like, am I valid as a fangirl? Mm-hmm. And I think we are kind of get, we can talk more about this in a minute, I'm sure. But I feel like we're kind of getting to this point where fangirls are starting to be taken more seriously. And like you said, all these things are transferable and important skills to have. So I say absolutely have this on your resume, whether you explicitly say like fan account or otherwise, there are other creative ways you can say it if you don't want it to be so explicit. But I totally use all the skills I've learned on my resume and include them that way. My TikTok account, all Harry Styles content, around 35,000 followers, I totally put that on my resume. Um, And I do want to say too, like my DMs are absolutely open. So if anyone does want to like shoot me their resume or ask me how to phrase things, like I'm more than happy to do that. But there are so many skills that you can just have on there, like social listening, branding, content creation, social media and marketing experience, like just knowledge of online trends and internet culture, like graphic design, website development, like there's ability to grow social accounts. Like there's, there's so many marketing skills that you have that should be included on there. And even if it, even if you aren't so comfortable, including everything, something that I make a point of doing too, is weaving it into kind of like my own personal brand story. So when I'm doing interviews um, it's something I bring up. So some of the super fan engagement projects, I don't know if I have them on my resume, but depending on the job, like I'll bring it up to them. Like I interviewed for a record label not too long ago and didn't end up taking it. But um, we were talking about the superfan projects project that I was doing and I said, I was able to work with online communities and get them involved in political activism. Here's how I did it. And something that's also really interesting and I think kind of goes and ties into the fangirl stigma and just not wanting to include things because of certain reasons. I have, um, I used to have a podcast and it's also an online shop and kind of just like a popular Instagram page now called Blessed Be The Brains, which is like a political and feminist podcast and shop and everything. And so I've always been reluctant to kind of include it in things because it is very political and I'm, I'm very liberal. I'm. I'm very much a feminist, but I know that can definitely be a turnoff to some people. And so to kind of go into job interviews and be like, this is on my resume, how are they going to feel about it? It's kind of like, okay, well, I clearly don't want to work for someone that doesn't align with this and believe in like equal rights and social justice and activism around important causes. But at the same time, it's like, I know this can be such a contentious issue, especially now, and especially in the U.S. with all the things that have been happening lately. But I found that in this music interview, this actually set me apart because I don't work in music. And so the woman had asked me and she was like, I'd love to hear more about your account. Like, how did you grow it to 20,000 followers? Like, how did you do all of this? And I was like, oh, okay. It's a great opportunity for me to kind of show like outside passions but how they can still relate to one another to one another and also kind of set me apart from just working in music but also working in politics and how these online activations and everything that I've done relate back to the things that I'm doing and how being a fangirl has even helped me just grow that Instagram page
0: I like I said before I was like hesitant about putting doing the podcast and the website um on my LinkedIn because I think I'm gonna get miscontrude or when it comes down because ideally down the line I would like to work for a record label or for a music venue with obviously your TikTok it's primarily Harry Styles content on there do you or did you worry to begin with people that want to employ me might see this and automatically be like no we're not going to hire her because she's a crazy fangirl um from what we can see with what she's posting online (laughs) yeah I mean so the
1: way it happened was I had one viral video about Harry and this was like the beginning of quarantine before like things had really start to shut down so I was like oh okay this is cool like a Harry video of course like I whatever but then I kind of really leaned into it because I was able to grow a following that way so I just kept leaning into that niche and was like you know what we're in quarantine I'm listening to One Direction again. I'm listening to Harry. I'm going to spiral with this. I'm just going to go with it. And so that's kind of how I built my TikTok account. And it definitely crossed my mind because I was like, okay, my brand is very much being pink, political, and pop culture. And I was like, this definitely ties into pop culture, but at the same time, people know me as being like a very politically outspoken and like kind of person, and this doesn't necessarily... Fit with my brand anymore. I'm putting this in quotations, which is stupid because it's always been a part of me, and everyone who grew up with me knows that I love music in One Direction and Harry. So it kind of felt a little inauthentic in the sense of like, okay, I've kind of matured out of this, but then I realized like, no, like I haven't. Like I love this. I'm passionate about this. This has always been an integral part of me. I'm going to go into it. And I was working in politics at the time. So it very much felt like such a juxtaposition. I was like, I'm working at, for a city council in a major city <laughs> and I'm making Harry Styles TikToks. TikToks. My boss my boss loved it. Like she I, she ended up leaning into TikToks as well, which was really fun. And all of like Boston politics loved her for it. Um, and it definitely crossed my mind because I was like, I don't want to be taken less seriously or have the things that come out of my mouth be less valid because I'm a fan of Harry Styles. Like that just makes no sense. But I think I've always just been fortunate so far, at least to work with some really incredible women that see my passion as beneficial and as an asset to the work that I do and I can do. And I think what I've come to realize, honestly, like if an employer doesn't want to hire me because of my Harry Styles content, then that's not an employer I want to work for because I know my talents and my worth. And if they can't see that because I love Harry Styles, then that's
0: that's just truly their loss. Yeah. It's always like I always end up referring it back to like sports because mm. yeah, I think it's like just the flip side of obviously something that is being a fangirl seen as such a female feminine thing.
1: And mm-hmm. then sports
0: is like such a male masculine conception that people have of sports fans. And I, I always think like if it was a sports, I don't know, like you were doing sports TikToks and stuff like that, I feel like people would be like, Oh yeah, like those nice skills transferable, making those videos and whatnot. But because it's almost well it is idolizing a um, male singer who is attractive who speaks out on good causes and stuff like that Um, it's almost like oh well she's only clinging on to that because she no. just really likes his music and what he looks like and what he wears and it's like no there's more to it in regards to what he's now about. I'm trying to think how to word it
1: more more. Even if it was just because he was attractive, it's like, why is why is that not okay? And I feel like that really just again goes and ties into the sexism and misogyny of fangirls and why they have like such a bad reputation. I feel like it's always just been a sexist way to discredit women for what they love and what they're passionate about. And I think your sports analogy is so spot on and it's the one that I refer back to a lot because why can guys be so quote-unquote passionate and rowdy about sports and sports culture and go as far to like burn cities down after games whether they win or lose yeah but we can't make silly little tiktoks about one direction without scrutiny and judgment like make it make sense first of all but also I think like especially now we're, we're all kind of coming to this realization of like this isn't something to be ashamed of like, this isn't something to hide. Like, why can't we be passionate about it? And why can't we use this as actual transferable skills to help us career-wise? Because if a guy wants to build a football page and bring it to 100,000 followers and then wants to work in sports marketing or sports entertainment, that's cool. That's okay. But if I want to work in the music industry and I have a Harry Styles TikTok, why is that not the same?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to touch a bit more now about... Um artists and how they're using their platforms to speak out on more political standpoints obviously last year um especially he- here in the UK we had um and obviously in the US um Black Lives Matter really took off and obviously mm-hmm. um there was a lot of celebrities like tweeting about it putting on Instagram in regards to that as well as obviously was the election last year in the US we before yeah
1: 2020
0: I'm like, like know, ages
1: ago. the whole
0: year just <laughs> was all like segwayed into one, um, and yeah. with like the elections, like um obviously before that, like Ariana Grande used her shows to make people, young people, yeah, sign up to hair. vote, um, and stuff like that. Um, I want to know what your thoughts and opinions on artists doing that is because I always get from other people saying, "Oh, they're just doing it because they have to do it to be seen to be doing it." What are your thoughts in regards to it? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it can definitely be a little bit of both. But either way, um, I'm kind of indifferent if they're doing it for their image or if they're doing it because of the goodness of their heart and for the secrecy of democracy, then so Mm -hmm. be it. But I think it's important that, you know, these celebrities are utilizing their platforms and their followings to civically engage people. Um, I think there is a fine line, though, between them doing it because they're they need to be doing it the right way so I feel like Ariana Grande for example tapping into headcount I think it was to get people to register to vote at her shows huge love that but then I know there are people like Justin Bieber recently who posted a graphic on Instagram about Columbia and was like I don't know anything about this but it's important and it's like first of all why? Like what, like what do you gain from this? Why can't no. you post stories with actual posts from people that have firsthand accounts or can explain the situation rather than just posting? It's like posting a black square for Black Lives Matter. It needs to be intentional and there needs to be some kind of goal in mind when you're doing it. So I feel like tapping into already existing activists and networks to amplify their work is what celebrities should be doing. Um, So whether that's like, again, Ariana Grande working with an organization to get people to register to vote, or if you're maybe Taylor Swift and you want to share things to your story to raise awareness for things like those are the steps to be taking, because I think there really has been a call, especially in the past year for people to speak out because everything is so contentious. But I think it's also because a lot of people are starting to realize that the personal is political and this is a time that I'm glad to be in because we're kind of seeing how everything is so deeply interconnected and intertwined. And I think the global pandemic has really uncovered everything and made people realize that these systems that exist don't help, don't work. And we need to be speaking out against it and reforming and rebuilding and abolishing and just fixing everything. So to have celebrities using their platforms to be educating people is huge so
0: and also i've like seen from it because of them speaking out in regards to it it makes especially like younger fans want to learn more about it which is obviously a great thing for any any political really matter in regards to i don't know i'm just thinking of about like climate change and like, what people can do to help in regards to that and black lives matter when people are like you can donate here and um, in regards to um George, george floyd's family and stuff like that um and then also from that i've now seen well beforehand fan accounts themselves and this is just me as i always say referring back to harry styles but like Mm. the big harry styles updates account will run fundraisers for his birthday and donate to i think this year it was um the refugee um account that he does work with sometimes and i think that's a great use of fan girl fandom community exactly. crossover mm-hmm. and I feel like people don't realize that it's more than you just sitting on Twitter looking at the latest pictures that have just come out and Mikey and being like oh yeah he looks really nice today or oh <laughs> wait for that song to come out and it's actually more about learning and like you do you learn so much from just mm-hmm. being on on Twitter um for that I do want to touch on though about because I didn't realize this until I started actually doing research about the whole k-pop fandom buying Mm -hmm. a whole tickets out for Trump rally to make it seem like it was more people going than what there was now I think that's brilliant myself like great Oh, brilliant
1: I remember when that was all going down on TikTok that's such a great like case study and example
0: um for anyone that's listening that doesn't know exactly what's happened what happened there because obviously we have a lot of listeners in the uk and they might not um the k-pop fandom as such i don't know if it's bts or just collectively a k-pop fandom um decided to buy tickets for one of trump's rallies to make it seem like hundreds and thousands of people were going when instead all of these people all over the world um were not going so (laughs) only a few couple of hundred people thousand people turn up um which is great i would love to know like the person that first come up with that and thought you know what we can really like push this and see how far it can go because as well with tiktok that's the beauty of tiktok as well if the algorithm works in your favor things can just spiral out of control like in regards to it um I do want to touch on a little bit as well Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and the fact that she didn't speak about her viewpoint in regards to politics and stuff until really end of 2019 I want to say was it oh like I can't even I remember when it. I feel like it was around twenty eight, maybe 2018 2019 I feel like it was yeah, quite late. Around mid-term, midterm elections. Yeah. Do you think from, obviously come from a, working in politics more than what I do, because I deal with the economic side of things instead of the actual politics side of things. Do you think she was in fear of judgment in regards to her putting herself out there in that platform f- because of where she comes from? mm yeah, I think it was it was a
1: lot of compounding founders for her, you know, as being America's sweetheart, as being from the South, coming from a Republican family, and just having such a massive platform. And I believe in her documentary um, on Netflix, Miss Americana, she talked about how she never really said anything because she wasn't educated. And I know there's a lot of scrutiny beforehand for her never speaking out and people just made assumptions about what her political views were, et cetera, et cetera. But I know after her assault, that's when it was really a turning point for her to be like, I don't want to not be vocal about politicians that don't support um, acts that are gonna protect women from encounters like this. And so that's really what made her take a stand, which it's it's bittersweet because it's like, I'm, I'm glad this is what prompted her to finally do it. And that was kind of the icing on the cake. But at the same time, I wish it didn't take a personal experience for her to say something, but I guess we're all human and we all, relate to things in different ways and that's kind of when we become knowledgeable about them but I know that her becoming educated on the matter was a really important thing for her too and it's very admirable and respectable because again using Justin Bieber as a bad example it was just unfortunate to see um, a post like that on social media that wasn't educated and it was just I know there's something going on so I'm posting about it because I feel like there really needs to be that intent so for her to take the time to educate herself on politics and to make a form an informed opinion and then be vocal about it is huge. And what I would hope other people would do. And I know even like with Harry for the past election, he did vote with kindness and he quote tweeted president Biden. So again, that's like very bare minimum. It wasn't even an endorsement. It was just a vote with kindness, but even something like that can um, go a long way. So I think again, it goes back to the intentions behind it and just, being politically informed did you
0: find around the time of the elections um when you were making like Harry Styles TikToks as such that that really kind of you were able to dig in more into that fan community to push them to go out and vote as such I feel like I didn't even need
1: to and I think that's kind of the beauty of Harry's fandom too is they are very socially and politically in touch with one another and educating each other on issues and sending each other, each other like cards to inform each other or links or whatever it may be. So they can be in the loop and educating each other. And I think that's again, a testament to Harry and his character because he is very, um, it's all about obviously treating people with kindness but also being politically aware and involved in these different issues and donating where he does. Um, so I feel like that's kind of an inherent part of his fan base as well. Which is really exciting.
0: Okay, we're gonna take it to a kind of decompress ourselves
1: yes. and do a little quick fly around. Being... I'm nervous. I'm gonna I'm gonna be exposed as a fake fan.
0: Oh no, it's <laughs> nothing like tell me like the number one song on the uh, stage. Nothing like that. We will start really nice and simple, and that is your favorite Harry Styles song. Ooh, that's like picking a cheese Okay, that's like a Favorite ch- child question?
1: Um, fine line, golden, self titled Carolina.
0: Favorite album? Fine line. I feel like everyone says fine and I feel bad for self titled. I feel bad for self titled. Um, his worst song? <gasps> no, there aren't. <laughs> um, I can't do well, one. Okay, well, I'll put it in a different way Then I just generally want to say. The song that you kind of will generally not listen to as much or will skip like for me it's from the dining table like I'm always just like meh I feel like treat people with kindness that's so messed up (laughs) (laughs) don't worry someone else said that the other week so it's fine um and then worst album obviously he's only got two but nah no no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people have said oh, i'll divert and i'll say um take me home um or up all no! night <laughs> oh my god okay controversial opinion up all night is one direction's best album oh i'm a maid in the am girl and i wish we had more f- oh. like as the four of them like another album just to see where that sound would have gone yeah I, I, wanted, was- I wanted a rock album from them i feel That's like a, a, lot of, a lot of people have said that like uh, like seventies, eighties, like uh-huh. kind of rock, yeah. Um, your favorite music video of Harry's? Okay, this
1: is hard. I'm gonna go with "Adore You" just because I loved the branding and storytelling of the entire Erota rollout, but also Watermelon Sugar because I got to interview some of the models for an article that I actually never got published
0: <laughs> your favorite harry styles moment oh god my personal favorite is him falling over the stage in oh my god i forgot where it was but like the epic the epic fall that like if i'm having a bad day i will put that on the one where he's just tripping over his feet for a good couple seconds
1: <laughs> and literally just flies across the floor like that yes. is. i want to say like vogue era
0: mm-hmm. like that
1: was that was just so profound to me
0: well, that is my next one, your favourite Harry era.
1: I want to say current Harry. Like I, that's, it's, it's, it's such a cop-out because there are so many good ones, but I think what makes me so excited about being a fan is knowing that there's always more, and so just living in the moment and doing what he's currently doing, like actor Harry, love it. I love it. It um, makes me
0: excited. This is just me thinking this off the top of my head. Which movie are you more excited to see, Don't Worry Darling or My Policeman? Okay. <laughs> Don't Worry Darling. Yeah, I just feel like he's gonna be a bit more psychotic in it and I'm excited to see it that. Right. Like, but also my policeman's gonna be so interesting to see him without tattoos. And I was Mar- like the other day
1: weirded me out completely. I was like I was so thrown off that it, it took me back to like 2012 Australia,
0: like him shirtless with no butterfly or swallows. <laughs> I was just like, there's no need, to, where is just the little knee tattoos like Um, And then really the final one is a collab you'd wish would happen. Oh, my God. Um, I feel like a default
1: is Harry and Stevie, but Hizzo. Harry and Lizzo would be so fire. So fire. Yeah.
0: And I've gone for Harry and Taylor just because I know, like, the whole world would just explode.
1: Okay. I'm like, I'd love
0: to see that happen.
1: Hear me out not style featuring Harry Styles out of the woods featuring Harry Styles Taylor version yeah can you imagine like flipping the narratives in between the lyrics where it's like
0: with my necklace hanging from your neck like oh yeah yeah that would be to be fair, mm-hmm. I was like when people were like, Oh my god, if he like is on style, and I was like, No, like that's a song about him, like uh, literally <laughs> about him. His name is in the song. We can't he can't be like singing that like no. I can imagine if it was Niall. <laughs> style featuring Niall Horror. So <laughs> it would be just maybe <laughs> a full one direction reunion on it, then. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Um, okay, we're gonna like move on to kind of a bit more of a kind of lighter end now ready to end off a little chat and stuff Um, I was asked what has been like my personal favorite moment or like oh what the fuck like is going on with my life right now moment from being a fangirl.
1: There are a few I feel like definitely calm that was kind of like a fun full circle moment to know that like even just doing fun TikToks around Harry could still benefit me in a career sense. But I think um, relating back to The Cab, so a little bit about The Cab and me, logged onto Twitter at 13, was a big fan of them as well. And I ended up befriending the band. Um, very surreal, actual like YN fan fiction moment. Now the lead singer and the drummer are like genuine older brothers to me, which is incredible. We still talk to this day. I was like texting the other day. So that that's always been like a what the fuck moment to me but I think what really made it full circle were two moments the first was when I graduated from high school so like four years ago now my parents got me possibly the greatest gift anyone could have ever gotten me there was one tweet that Alex the lead singer had tweeted me that always resonated and it was chin to the stars kid and that always became like a mantra for me like it was always like a this will get me through whatever I'm going through or get me to where I want to go. Like just going to keep my chin to the stars. So for graduation, my parents got him to write it out for me. So they put it on my pillowcase. So every night I can go to sleep and remember to keep my chin to the stars, but also so I could get it tattooed. So I've had yet to do it because I'm (laughs) such a baby, but I can get that tattooed on me in his handwriting, which is really, really exciting and just the most like thoughtful thing ever. And then back in late 2019 so before COVID hit the cab was looking to release new music and I was kind of in the loop about things and so I reached out to Alex the lead singer and his manager and was like I love this band I love everything that this band has given me it's given me my passion in social media and marketing and just like like album rollouts and everything like I want to pay it forward and I want to do like the social strategy and rollout for the next music release. So I ended up getting on I put together an entire pitch deck with ideas and you know this is like a decades worth of like knowledge of the band and just knowing what the music sounded like and knowing what the imagery could be. And so I got on a on the phone with their manager who is the most humble incredible guy. And it was so nerve wracking to me because I was like, he works with big name people and I'm a nobody. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm someone who's passionate. Yeah. And by the end of the call, he was like, have you sent this to the guys? Like, have they seen it? I was like, no, I wanted to talk to you about it first. He goes, okay, well, I'm sending it to them right now. They're going to love it. And he basically hired me on the spot. And was like, would absolutely love to have you be doing this. So obviously COVID hit, never released anything, but to have that kind of validation of like, you don't even work in music, but this is absolutely incredible, and you can do this. Like, was yeah. so surreal for me, and just a full circle moment of like, this is what I kind of want to be doing, and it's very possible. So that was that was a major what the fuck moment, and still yeah. is
0: saying it out loud again. That that's like literally, like you said, a your name story come to life as such. No, like literally, <laughs> like literally. Do your friends or family like judge you in regards for it?
1: Yeah so I think when I was younger like definitely in middle school it was hard because again I was bullied I wasn't surrounded by nice people and so that was again like another point to be bullied by like oh she's always on her phone oh she's always on Twitter she's talking to this band guy and and like, there's always one moment that sticks out of my mind of like being in like the dance locker room and like girls taking my phone and like locking it in one of their lockers. And like, I didn't know the combination. that was just like such a mean girl thing to do. And they'd always be like, Oh, like, Alex doesn't actually know you like you guys aren't actually friends. And I'd be like, No, like, we're, we're actually friends, we talk. And then he ended up coming to New York for the 2013 VMAs. And I went out to lunch with him and my dad and it was like a four hour lunch. And it was like the most incredible experience. And I feel like that kind of got them to shut up and be like, oh, she is friends with him. Yeah. And, that, and now here I am like eight years later and still still happening. So like that was kind of like a nice like proving them wrong moment and always like kind of being confident in myself and my relationships. Um, and then in terms of my family, I think I've always been fortunate to have um a great relationship with my parents in terms of like just trust and everything. And so I think, I mean, I know at first they were very skeptical. It's like my 13 year old is talking to strangers and older guys online. <laughs> what is this? And so I think even like their friends and like family members would be like, why are you letting Natalie do this? Like that doesn't sound safe. But they would they would follow me, they'd monitor me, they monitor me, they'd see my tweets. And I think after my dad met Alex and we're all at lunch, he was like, okay, like, this is a good guy. Like, this isn't a weird relationship. Like, he's like an older brother to her. He's a great guy. Um, And I remember he was hesitant, too. He was like, Natalie, I don't want you to be crushed. Like, what if he's nothing? Like, he is online. And I'm like, no, he is. And even my dad was shocked. I was like, wow, he really is. He is. And he also got to meet some of my internet friends that way. We all went to lunch after. Like, he had a meetup in Central Park. And. Um, that was kind of like, kind of solidified in his mind that these are genuine people that look out for me and would protect me. And so the rule kind of be- became like, okay, you can go into concerts in the city by yourself and in New York by yourself, but you need to be with like X, Y, or Z friends that's like older and would look out for me. So like one of my friends, Evan, um, internet friend, he would be like my dad or like my older brother. And he kind of babysit me at shows. And the only rule was my parents would work in the city at the time. And so I would need to make sure that, like, I took the train home with them. So I wasn't like traveling home late by myself. Yeah. But they were very trusting of me and the people that I was with.
0: And that's, that's kind of where that was, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. We did kind of touch on it, really. But in your personal opinion, why do you think fangirls? get such a bad reputation and how have you seen this change especially over I think the last year yeah so again I
1: I really just think it's again that sexism and misogyny as a way to discredit women for being intelligent and smart and passionate and dedicated about the things that they love especially comparatively when we look at guys in sports culture for example Um, But I think it really is shifting again, because people are starting to realize what we have and always do bring to the table, but it's now just really being noticed. And I think, again, that comes with these like social movements, especially with like K-pop and what they were able to do for the Trump rally. And even just, I think, celebrities and musicians becoming more politically active and then kind of seeing, oh, my fans are responding to this, even though we've always responded to this. And I think it's also a combination of, like, at least for me personally, I totally regressed back into like my comfort music and One Direction and just like fandoms this quarantine. And I think that was just kind of like a realization to me of like, I just don't need to hide this or be ashamed anymore. Like, if it's a weird quirk, fine, whatever. But it's something that makes me happy and it's something that like I love to talk about. So, like, why wouldn't I? Like, I'll have friends from high school that just like have known me but have seen me like post hairy things like they'll tag me and stuff or they'll send it to me and it's like a nice like little nod to like I acknowledge you like this and sometimes that's all you need and sometimes you don't need it at all because you can be comfortable enough with liking it yourself and that's all that matters
0: very similar kind of questions but I feel like they have very two completely different answers um Mm -hmm. what has being a fangirl we'll go with taught you first What has it taught me? I think
1: being a fangirl has taught me that passion is truly everything. And to not let anybody dim your light because your dedication to your favorite artists and projects and social media is just so extremely valuable. And if someone can't see that, then they could probably never see in the first place so just keep being passionate and doing what you love and talking about what you love and I promise you it'll get you to wherever you want to be
0: and then the final one is what has being a fangirl brought to your life I feel like everyone has a very similar answer to this question as such but what has it brought to you
1: it's honestly brought everything it's my passions my friendships my best experiences job opportunities like I literally met up with a friend halfway across the world because of the cab. I walked in New York fashion week because a friend of mine who I met through the cab, like knew someone with a company that was walking New York fashion week and was casting models. Like all of my connections to this day are because of what I was able to do at like 13 through having a fan account. So I, I truly would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for being a fangirl.
0: A big big thank you to natalie for joining me on this week's episode if you want to find out more about natalie head over to our instagram page at that fangirl life podcast also if you are enjoying the podcast please do follow us on spotify or leave a review on apple Podcasts. it really helps others find the show and join me next week on our season two finale when i'm joined by ether ali and harry from midnight memories podcast to discuss all things One Direction and how excessive fans can be.